0: Welcome to Transformation Simulation, the podcast about agile transformations and personal transformations. Here are your hosts, fraternal agile twins only separated by four months, 100 pounds, meat consumption, and different parents. Alicia Yannick and Nathan Chawilawu-Ashe.
1: normally nathan we would give a little bit of a blurb or an intro to the episode and then we'd say let's go listen to the episode we don't have anything to listen to other than just us so i guess this is it this is all folks get to this is all we have i think we just just jump right in huh all right yeah yeah let's go
0: let's do it Well, we've made it to episode 10.
1: We have not our two or three listeners have made it right along with us. Do you oh, think they're those... the same listeners all the way through?
0: Probably. Probably. If you are one of those listeners or both of those listeners, we thank you. And, <laughs> and, for you.
1: and maybe <laughs> let us know if you listen to all 10 episodes, you reach out and let us know. We've got something to send you. We'll find something to for say sure. thank you for sure. For sure. But you kind of had to prove that you listened to all of them.
0: <laughs> We're going to test you.
1: We couldn't even pass the test ourselves. (laughs) We give it to people. Here's a test. We're not sure we know the answers, but good luck. (laughs) Oh, Nathan, our little team. When I I look back, they they went through a lot in nine episodes. They really did.
0: They did. Yeah, they they uh, were introduced to a situation where they had to change. They figured out a new way to work. Dealt with some very interesting command and control managerial types, had some things happen where one of their teammates was uh, working on a pet project for an executive and kind of blew up the sprint for the team and had a lot of good situations in our whole series. Stuff that really happens on teams.
1: And that was something that I wanted to bring up, that because of our experiences, while we changed the name of the innocent and the wicked, these were real life situations that we put our team through. So this isn't hyperbole. This being the situations and circumstance that we see the team go through in season two. These things happen. We took them from our personal experience. So I wanted folks who are listening to know this is what we described is real life for most teams that I've worked with. Some semblance of any of this is what the teams I've worked with in 20 years have experienced themselves.
0: This I mean, it's definitely real life you say you know some semblance in 20 years i can say there's an all the major experiences that we covered this season i've had a team that's been working through that this last year i mean this, so uh,
1: so not 10 years ago this is still years. true today right it's that is a good true. point too yeah, yeah. so what do you think i was looking back how this all came about and the catalyst my interpretation of the catalyst for the change was the pressure Mm -hmm. So it was external pressure because there was a partnership and a new product announcement and a deadline. And the team said, how are we going to do this? We can't do this the way we've always done it. And I was wondering if that mimics a lot of what you see when organizations or teams adopt agile or go for the full blown thing and actually commit to a transformation. Is it usually because of a pressure? And if so, is it oftentimes an internal pressure or an external pressure? What do you think of that situation?
0: I normally see it as an internal pressure where they think that by changing the way they work or the methodology, you know, evolving to a framework of some sort, that they're going to be able to execute or deliver something faster, better, and more efficiently.
1: I have most often experienced it as an external pressure, external. but always a pressure. Yeah. I so have not yet experienced it just as a something the team decides to do oh. or the company or the department decides to do. I have always experienced it as a pressure factor that either dictates that they're going to do it or something along the lines of what happened with this team where there's some external factor that's so big, they know they have to do it differently. They can't keep doing whatever their current trajectory is.
0: Yeah, I think maybe maybe I need to clear up. My semantics. So when you say I so I agree this with what you said,
1: but well, Nathan, you, we, I cannot believe it took it took until episode <laughs> 10. You just should agree with why does it take so long for you just to do that? If you said that so early on, you make everybody wait until the very end, including myself, to hear you say what we all know is true which is that you agree
0: for for nine episodes i've been trying to get on the same page as you i finally did it
1: <laughs> at the end where there's no <laughs> right right <laughs> well better late than never anyway sorry Nathan, i interrupted you that wasn't very nice man
0: i i agree with what you said when you say external i think you're meaning some force that's coming in that's making someone change yeah i guess when i when i say it it it's the same thing. I mean the same thing, but that external force is always internal to the company. That's what Oh, I mean. okay. Yeah. As
1: opposed to a market? like uh- A
0: market, yeah. So what I don't see and what I wish I really saw from these teams or the organization saying, look, our competitors are doing this. The industry right. is doing this. I don't get that most times. I get organization here is doing it. Their leader's doing it. Our leader's influence. Our leader tells us to do it. We have to do it. That's all internal.
1: But I've see- seen a couple externals but it's not as common meaning our competitors are doing it or the market's doing it but it's not the most common circumstance it's not. that i've come across okay you do yeah. then. yeah yeah so what about so talking about circumstances in the start of adoptions or transformations our team started with a tool why do you think they started with the tool and do you think that's what most teams start with i feel like i'm interviewing you this episode this is awesome
0: <laughs> i hope am i going to get a job after this
1: no, <laughs> I mean, sorry, I don't know, maybe <laughs> Did I answer that too quickly. Should I pause? <laughs> Brother, you failed already, but it's OK. Let's keep chatting because I'm entertained.
0: Well, I think I think starting with a tool is easy. I, I think that sometimes people think the new process is really rooted in a tool. Mm-hmm in in something that they can control and something they can kind of change and and uh, have control over instead of a mindset instead Mm -hmm. of like this philosophical Mm -hmm. approach to doing work or thinking about your work or thinking about what you're delivering differently
1: well if i ask you to change your mindset or change your tool it is easier conceptually just to change tool right and and yes there is some fallout to changing a tool and that affecting how you work but i miss the days when the teams worked together and that doesn't mean i don't believe in remote work i do but i miss the days when changing how you worked came first and the tool followed yep and now probably because of marketing and time and ease of use I see more often a connection to the tool and then the mindset and changing how you work if you have a good coach comes behind it. And in some ways that's a disadvantage. Yeah. I think. And I, what was cool about this team, and of course, we wrote it this way, but the team started with a tool and then made the switch. And that was very intentional because I think we wanted folks to understand what well, your natural inclination is to connect to a tool, grab a tool to get going. That's probably not going to give you the success that you're really looking for down the road. It will give you a change, but that might not give you the success that you're looking for.
0: Yeah, I believe there was even in their research they said that all these tools claim to do the same thing there was something to that effect i don't have the script in front of me right now i guess i i guess i should have it in front of me for episode 10. Huh?
1: this uh, is why you're not getting a job but right. <laughs> <laughs> i knew this was coming
0: but, but they but they even alluded to that in, in the script and what we wrote that mm-hmm. all these tools these project management these agility tools these kanban tools claim to help make them more agile and have a greater vision of their work. But they realize it it really doesn't. We have to change the way we kind of think about things.
1: Right. And they did a lot. We saw that throughout the season in some of the episodes. We had to change the way we looked at side projects. We had to change the way we looked at committing to work. We had to change the way we partnered with others on work. We had to change what collaboration meant. Heck, I'm not even sure this team, while they were semi-functional before, I don't know that they knew how to collaborate. I think changing their willingness to communicate with one another was a big deal. That was something else I wanted to talk about, which is the change in the way the team communicated, the change in the way they were willing to have difficult or challenging conversations with one another, and that it yeah. wasn't easy and they didn't necessarily want to do it. They grew into it. Yeah. And that was something that struck me when I read back through the script was, oh, look at the progression of the way this team comes together and becomes a performing team. And and I wouldn't call this a high-performing team yet. I would call this a performing team, but they're not yet a high performing team, but the progression of the way the conversations occurred, the frequency with which they occurred, the challenges that were within those conversations that grew over time Mm -hmm. and that growth led to them becoming a performant
0: team. It sure did. And I think think one of the events that helped them really grow into communicating better with themselves is when they discovered one of their teammates was had the pet project going on mm-hmm. with the executive because they had a mm-hmm. real conversation then mm-hmm. even you know as we wrote it the team had been together for a couple of years couple to a right. few years and right. they knew each other but you can tell in that exchange that that behavior was different and they were communicating with each other in a different level mm-hmm. uh, there's a really honest communication there
1: mm-hmm. I, um, I felt like that too
0: And that's usually, you know, a lot of times with teams that that first major conflict and how they choose to resolve it really helps them become really solid and grounded in who they are. That's where they find their identity. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. I learn better from my mistakes than when I do things right. You get better and stronger because of the conflict. And that's something also that I was thinking about that because of brevity and the fact that no one wanted to read a 300 page book about this team. and (laughs) If you do, let us know, because maybe we'll write a book. But we wrapped up the conflicts pretty quickly. Yeah. Within two episodes, it wasn't that they didn't have any, but the significant conflicts really occurred inside two episodes. And of course, that will be the one place where I think it would be maybe valuable to point out it's not such smooth sailing in the real world, but the team will get there. So, for example, I can't remember which one of us wrote the episode uh, about the developer who took on side work. I, I've had that happen, too. That took three to four sprints to work itself out, right. not one and a half. But it did get worked out, and the team was better for it. But it—it it definitely, we played what fast and loose with the space and time continuum <laughs> inside. But exactly. but the point is that what the team went through is definitely rooted in our realities as agile practitioners and coaches.
0: Yeah, and then there are some situations like the one we presented with the with the manager who mm-hmm. you know those sometimes don't ever resolve. To be honest,
1: with you. <laughs> right, right, and and I'm we, not sure that we did.
0: We didn't resolve it, but we just kind of left it as it was. But the situation you just described where one of the team members had this extra work, those things usually resolve pretty well, Mm -hmm. generally. Mm -hmm. But the manager's behavior, sometimes there's sometimes there's no resolution.
1: Well, sometimes they generally resolve. I worked with a team, actually the first team that I worked with, not ever, but in an agile fashion with Scrum, there was one developer who did not want to partner did not want to write, we were adopting XP at the time as well, did Mm -hmm. not want to do TDD, was not interested in collaboration, refused to do any testing and he left. So I guess it did resolve itself Um, and and the team was stronger for it. So that's something I guess we should bring up that that fellow left because it wasn't right for him. And so that was a resolution and the team became stronger for it. So sometimes that happens as well, where the resolution is not that the team member stays on the team.
0: Yeah.
1: What else? So do you know what I found that was interesting? What's that? (laughs) We're coaches and we didn't write any coaches into this episode. I know, right? Why? (laughs) You know that I didn't even realize that. I I didn't didn't even think about that. Yeah, me. Either. What do you think?
0: I don't know. Ask one of our psychologist friends to come and ask us why we needed right. agile coaches. I'm
1: that. not sure I want to unpack that, but I <laughs> thought that was really interesting because we're agile coaches and yet we didn't have a coach come on the scene. And th- so a couple things I thought about was because we tailored our podcast, I believe, to mostly do it yourself, folks. Mm-hmm. A lot of do it yourself folks don't have the benefit of a coach. Right. And right. so we're we're giving them guidance. I think in my mind with the idea that there isn't a coach present to give them that guidance. And so maybe that's why we didn't write a coach into this season. That makes but sense. But I, I can we go with that? Because I thought, do We're we just feel like to. coaches? We are coaches. Well, what we do? <laughs>
0: when most I think when most teams, I think you're on to something. When most teams bootstrap it. And, you know, they're trying to figure out what Agile is and what the Scrum framework is. They don't have an Agile coach around. So
1: it makes sense. We've even worked at companies where there were coaches, but there weren't enough coaches to go around. So even though the company had lots of coaches running around, the teams didn't necessarily get the benefit of the coaches because they weren't next up or they weren't going to get a coach for three to six months. But they still wanted to get started. So that would be my guess about why we didn't write it in there that we really wrote it for, like you said, the the folks who are bootstrapping it. Yeah. But I don't want to say that a, a coach wouldn't have been helpful. <laughs> coach would have
0: been very helpful. <laughs> coach
1: would have been very helpful. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, what do we say to teams that are, you know, bootstrapping it? Do do we think that they need to have a coach? Is is having a coach a necessity or is that just a little a nice to have if they're just bootstrapping it?
1: I think it makes it easier. So my f- I never had a coach. I didn't either. I didn't have a coach until <laughs> I became a coach. Yeah. I had 17 years of not having a coach. So yes, you can do it by yourself. It's harder. It's much harder. It's much harder. It's kind of, oh, so my stepdaughter just turned 16 and driving is on the brain because she's going to get her license in the next six months. And I was trying to explain to someone why you would want to have a coach. And I said, look, my stepdaughter went and got her permit and she passed the test. And they said, okay, you can answer a certain number of questions correctly. Go out and do it. Mm -hmm. but you don't give her a license to go out and do it on her own. You give her a license to go out and learn to drive because the learning to drive is when you're behind the wheel, not when you take the test. So you got a license Mm -hmm. to go learn to drive with someone who is experienced at it. And that's kind of how I think about good agile coaches is you can be a scrum master or a product owner. You can go get your certification. You can pass a test. You can answer questions, but you learn it from doing it. And you will learn better, and be better, and have fewer accidents, and be safer if you have that coach who is sitting next to you in yeah. the car, teaching you how to drive
0: I'm going to steal that.
1: I think everything, we just told the whole, well, all every, of our two and three listeners can steal. That. Yeah,
0: everything except for the my 16 year old stepdaughter. I'm, I'm gonna. I'll take everything except for that because I don't have one of those.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you can steal it. It's. I'll send you the bill. It's not real expensive. Yeah. But that's the way I liken it is, yes, you can go pass a test, but man, you're not super safe behind that, the wheel of that car without somebody sitting next to you who's been behind the wheel of the car for quite some time.
0: Yeah. It's a good analogy. I mean, it's, it's actually really good. It only took me nine episodes to, to get on your page. Um,
1: I feel like I'm just gonna replay this episode over and over and over just and giggle and just frankly giggle.
0: But so one more on the coaching uh, aspect. Yeah. So, you know, you're sitting there driving, learning from a coach or someone more experienced that can drive. But in that process, while you're sitting there and learning and someone's helping to guide you, I think the most important thing Either you're imparting to them is not like the tools and techniques of when to turn and turn on your mm-hmm. turn signal. It's the mindset, mm-hmm. how to think while you're driving, what you should visually see, how sh- mm-hmm. you should look forward. It's that. What kind should
1: you thing. be paying attention to? Exactly. What could come next? Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. And it's the same with our teams, or if you're coaching a scrum master or someone, the gift that we give them is the ability to help shape their mindset quicker just Mm -hmm. by communicating with them, watching them, observing, sharing insights. I would agree. Yeah. If you have the benefit of having a coach, get a coach. If you don't, Alicia and I, I think, have bootstrapped in all of our careers. Yes, we we have. Yeah. So you you can still find success if you don't. I don't
1: know that that means (laughs) that means people have to assume we're successful. so.
0: (laughs) So
1: So, you know, Nathan, uh, that can play out either way. <laughs>
0: yeah, true that. Uh,
1: you want to talk about the team and what they learned during this season? Sure. What do you think they learned? I was hoping you would answer that first. I think that they learned that they have a pretty big capacity for change. Mm-hmm. I think that they learned they could be successful doing things differently. I think that they learned how to learn from failure and keep going and keep at it. And I think they learned to trust each other, respect each other. I don't know how much they did that before, but in a different way, let's say. And I think they learned the benefits of doing things differently and being successful in a different modality or a different framework.
0: Yeah. You are crushing it tonight. Am I? You just all over it. Yeah. I don't even
1: have a margarita tonight.
0: You mean you're doing this and you're sober?
1: Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. You have to edit that out. I'm always sober. Maybe. I just sometimes have a margarita. <laughs> oh, Nathan, that just took a bad turn.
0: <laughs> we'll see how much we can edit out of that.
1: <laughs> you will have to see how much we can edit out. What do you think the team learned? Uh, all
0: those things that you mentioned, I think they learned how to be a team. Mm -hmm. I think they were folks who'd worked together before. My assumption is, even as I don't remember who wrote the episode about the first couple episodes, but my assumption is that they probably worked in some project ties fashion. Everybody had a role. Mm -hmm. They probably only communicated about certain aspects of their responsibilities, and they weren't really a unit that moved Mm -hmm. forward together. Mm -hmm. I think they learned how to become a team.
1: Well said. What comes next for them?
0: Well, I think if they're successful, which we hope they are, you know, they'll deliver their product on time based on the contract that their CEO signed. And they'll probably if they find success, their organization will be all over it. And they'll Mm -hmm. start talking in buzzwords like scaling (laughs) less, (laughs) you know, they'll Mm -hmm. they'll start talking and all that. Um, if they're not successful, let's just say if they're not successful and they don't deliver, they'll probably be disbanded and go back to the way they worked previously.
1: Now, I'm going to say something different is going to happen because you okay. define success differently than I. I'm going to define success in the fact that this team learns how to work differently and they learn their capacity For what they're capable of doing with high quality Mm -hmm. and working together as a team so i'm going to say they probably missed that deadline because i'm not sure that year-long deadline was actually reasonable at all there are some things you cannot do inside of a certain time frame but i'm going to say that the team becomes so successful and so high performing at working together that the rest of the organization starts to adopt what this team's doing
0: all right that is believable and you are right Mm -hmm. the deadline was unrealistic
1: right because that was the pressure that it was unrealistic right Mm, yeah Mm, what other musings do we have about episode 10.
0: what do you think we learned this season
1: i learned that next season it shouldn't take you until episode 10 to tell me that you agree with me (laughs) i need to get that going earlier on what did i learn i learned that i don't know that i learned or remembered scrum is fun kanban's fun Adopting these values and these principles and these practices, they're fun. Building high-performing teams is fun. And I wasn't, I don't know. I I mean, I knew that, so I wouldn't say I learned it, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed seeing it in action. I enjoyed reading about it. I enjoyed writing about it. I enjoyed talking about it.
0: I was going to say the same thing. I I think I'll add to what you said that when it's fun, it makes it easy. Mm -hmm. It makes a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of good energy and fun and that um, fun helps us move forward. Doesn't keep us stagnant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, everything you said in that, that they had had fun doing it.
1: Well, it's a shame we didn't have any fun.
0: Oh, I had plenty of fun with you.
1: No, you had fun at my expense. That's a total different thing.
0: (laughs) All 10 episodes. It's been great working with you.
1: It, it's always great working with you. I had a blast. Yeah. What else? Are we done? Is this it? Are we? I, I feel a little. I feel a little sad.
0: I feel accomplished. <laughs> I'm not sad yet. No.
1: Yeah. This was awesome. It was. Thanks for season two.
0: Well, thank you. And uh, we're pretty sure there'll be a season three, huh?
1: We'll have to see what happens though. Yeah. All right, man. See you in season three. I
0: will see you there
1: all the music in our podcast is created by gilpin hill
0: that dude now that dude is great he can play some music i'm telling you that
1: mm-hmm. chris tolino also known as sweet tony also known as One Take Tony, is the voice actor on our podcast introduction this season. Chris also played the role of Manager One throughout the season, and Chris, we thank you for both. Special thanks to our friends Bay Hall, Lauren Harrison, Eric Harrison, Arnold Panjiannabon, John Amaranjan, Margie Morse, Ryan Babbage, and Srikanth Reddy, who were all script actors for the episodes in this season. If you're looking for exceptional Agile coaches, look no further than this collection of great people.
0: You can find this podcast anywhere podcasts are available. We are Alicia, Yannick and Nathan Chawilabouache, the Agile Twins. If you have questions, comments or ideas, you can connect with us at transformationsimulation.com. Thank you for listening.